it's Saturday, June the 13th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, British GDP plunges and protests resume in Lebanon. First, the week in brief. British GDP plunged by 20.4% in April, by far the biggest month-on-month drop since records began. This followed a 5.8% shrinkage in March, the previous record fall. The building industry was clobbered especially hard, output fell by 40.1%. May's figures should be better because some economic activity was able to restart. Michael Gove, a British cabinet minister, said he had formally confirmed with the EU that Britain would not seek to prolong the post-Brexit transition period that lasts until the end of the year. During this time, a deal on future relations is meant to be thrashed out. The two sides had the option to extend the transition for up to two years. Prosecutors in Italy questioned Giuseppe Conte, the Prime Minister, about aspects of his government's pandemic response. A delay in establishing lockdowns in Alzano and Nembro, two northern towns that were particularly badly affected, has been blamed for the virus's spread in the Lombardy region. The prosecutors are trying to establish whether national or regional authorities were at fault. French police marched in protest through Paris and other cities and towns. They accuse the government of scapegoating them, as anger has spread about racial discrimination and alleged police brutality in the wake of the death of George Floyd in America. The Interior Minister, Christophe Castanet, has promised zero tolerance of racism in the police and banned chokeholds during arrests. Protests against economic hardship resumed in Lebanon after a pause due to the coronavirus lockdown. The pandemic has exacerbated the country's already dire economic situation. In March, the country defaulted on a debt repayment for the first time. The Lebanese pound has sunk to new lows. About 40% of the population now live in poverty. Burundi's constitutional court ruled that the country's president-elect, Everest Ndayishimiye, should be sworn in as soon as possible after the sudden death of the incumbent Pierre Nkurunziza on Monday. Mr Ndayishimiye won an election last month that Mr Nkurunziza chose not to contest. By law, the Speaker of Parliament should have become interim president. And Oregon and Utah paused their reopening programs because of a rise in new COVID-19 cases. This week, California, Florida and Texas, America's most populous states, all reported their highest daily counts of new infections. Though some of the original coronavirus hotspots, including New York, have seen declines, America continues to record more than 20,000 new cases a day. And now, here's today's agenda. Sperm wars. Women's eggs are picky. Evolutionary theory predicts that men and women will both try to maximize their lifetime reproductive success. For women, this means taking great care in choosing a mate. For men, less so. Now, Proceedings of the Royal Society B, a journal, reports that this dichotomy is reflected in microcosm in people's sex cells, eggs and sperm. Chemicals in the fluid surrounding egg cells attract the sperm of some men more than that of others. Not all eggs select the same men's sperm. The interactions depend on the couples involved. A particular woman's eggs, however, do not always prefer the sperm of her regular partner. Eggs have their own say in the matter and stand to gain from choosing especially robust or compatible sperm. But a sperm that finds an egg has already won the lottery and will gladly take what is offered. 
The implications for IVF are vast. They invite rumination, too, by men in general. No Laughing Matter – Offensive Comedy The anti-racism protests sweeping across the world have already spurred police reforms and toppled statues of slave traders. Comedy faces a reckoning, too. This week, Netflix and the BBC took down Little Britain and Come Fly With Me, two sketch shows which routinely featured characters in blackface. Netflix Australia has removed most of Chris Lilly's output, including Summer Heights High and Jonah from Tonga, for the same reason. Earlier this year, the white actor who voiced Apu, the hapless Indian shopkeeper in The Simpsons, stepped down after growing criticism. Some have attacked this as a progressive purge, but for others it marks a necessary rethink of how people of colour are depicted on screen. TV comedies often appeal to youngsters. The last series of Little Britain drew nearly 400,000 under 15s. This arguably makes racial stereotyping all the more dangerous. The line between comedy and offensiveness has always been blurred. It is perhaps becoming clearer. Change of Plan – The Streaming of Artemis Fowl With cinemas closed by the pandemic, film studios have had to reconsider their distribution strategies. Some decided to delay their blockbusters until theatres are up and running again. Warner Brothers' Wonder Woman 1984, scheduled for June 5th, is postponed until August. Others, such as Universal, decided to make new films available for 48-hour digital rental. Trolls World Tour, released on April 10th, made nearly $100 million in its first three weeks. Still others have put their titles straight onto streaming services. In development at Disney since 2013 and with a budget of $125 million, Artemis Fowl is the biggest movie to receive this treatment so far. Adapted from the best-selling young adult novels by Owen Colfer, the film, released on Disney Plus yesterday, stars Colin Farrell and Dame Judi Dench. Disney executives may not be thrilled by the scuppering of their plans, but young viewers and their parents will be grateful for something new to watch. What the Dickens, an author's secret life The comedy in his works is widely admired, but the mystery of Charles Dickens concentrates on his darker side. A. N. Wilson's biography, published on June 4th, explores Dickens' affair with a teenage actress, Nellie Ternan, his psychological abuse of his spouse, and his hatred of his mother. Readers learn that Dickens built a wall in his house to avoid his wife, Catherine. When this didn't work, he tried to send her to a mental asylum. Mr. Wilson claims the seizure that killed Dickens was the result of lively sex with Ternan. By writing in such lurid detail about the author's strange life, Mr. Wilson does not merely indulge in gossip. He shows the novels in a new light. He presents the stories of Pip in Great Expectations and David Copperfield as idealised versions of Dickens' own childhood poverty, and explains the violent murder of Nancy in Oliver Twist through the lens of Dickens' misogyny. On the Grid – Formula One's Return over the past decade, first under Delta Topco and more recently under its new owners, Liberty Media, Formula One has sought to raise its global profile. New races have been launched in Azerbaijan, Russia and Singapore, alongside the sport's more traditional homes in Britain, Monaco and Spain. However, the globe-trotting nature of its calendar has complicated Formula One's efforts to relaunch after the coronavirus. The planned schedule of 22 Grand Prix has been scrapped in favour of an initial eight races, the minimum number for a valid championship. 
All eight will take place in Europe, beginning with two in Austria on consecutive weekends in July. The fate of farther-flung races remains uncertain. Races on street circuits such as Baku and Singapore, which pose trickier logistical and safety challenges, were cancelled this week, but the season is still likely to be extended. Whether races in America and Brazil take place depends on the spread of the virus. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Martha Washington, who was born on this day in 1731. The greatest part of our happiness depends on our dispositions, not our circumstances. That's it from the Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.